The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Daniels the carry again. Daniels with the cutback and Daniels into the clear. Rashawn Daniels with the cherry on top for the Hawkeyes. A career-long 51-yard carry on his 26th carry of the night to ice it for Iowa and lock up their first 10-0 start in school history. And Floyd is out and about to migrate sideline to sideline. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast. This week, it features Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' Big Ten West blackout game win over Minnesota in the annual battle for Floyd of Rosedale, and he previews this week's Purdue game. And you'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Purdue's Daryl Hazel. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporters, Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chumland. Game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Matt Millen. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's Mike programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Iowa hosts Purdue Saturday at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. It's an 11 a.m. start TV. It's ESPN2, and I hate to tell you this, it's Beth Mowens and Anthony Becht. On radio, as always, it's the Hawkeye Radio Network, Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak. That game's also going to be on KRUI and Satellite Radio XM Channel 195, Sirius Channel 135. Iowa is 10-0 overall, 6-0 in the Big Ten. It's the first time in school history. That's 127 years of playing that Iowa starts 10-0. A school record 11 wins occurred in 2002 and 2009, so Iowa can equal that by defeating Purdue on Saturday. Looking to finish a perfect season in Kinnick Stadium, 21 seniors will take the field for the last time in their home careers. This group of seniors has had a major hand in the turnaround of this program this year and in providing real leadership to the team as a whole. They will be honored in a pregame ceremony and fans are urged to get into the stadium early for that. Iowa leads the Big Ten West Division by one game over Wisconsin, and it holds the tiebreakers, so one Iowa win or a Wisconsin loss gives the division title to Iowa. The Hawkeyes are ranked fifth in the college football playoff poll and sixth in the AP and coaches polls. And through last weekend's games, Sagarin lists Iowa as having the second highest strength of schedule among the five remaining undefeated teams behind only Clemson in that regard. And Iowa and Alabama are the only two schools in the FBS with multiple road wins over ranked foes. Purdue comes into this game 2-8, 1-5 in the Big Ten, and their lone Big 
Ten win this season so far has been versus Nebraska. Purdue leads this series 46-36-3. Iowa has won four of the last five, including 24-10 last season at Purdue. The Hawkeyes have also won seven of the last nine and 19 of the last 26. Iowa leads the series in games played in Iowa City, but just barely, 20-19-2. Purdue last beat a ranked Iowa team in 2003 when the Hawkeyes were 10th and the Boilermakers 16th. Purdue is looking for its first win over a ranked team since defeating number 23, Illinois, in 2011. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 20th year as a head coach, his 17th season at Iowa. His overall record, 137-106. His record with the Hawkeyes is 125-85, and 85, which makes him eighth in Big Ten coaching wins all time. Purdue head coach Daryl Hazel is in his third season at Purdue. His record there is 6-28, but he has just three wins in conference play. He was previously head coach at Kent State for two years, where he turned in a record of 16-10, and 10, and he has just been given a vote of confidence by his athletic director and will return next year to head up Purdue. After this contest, the Hawkeyes travel to Nebraska for the annual Hero. Rose Trophy game played on Black Friday, and Purdue returns to West Lafayette to host in-state rival Indiana. Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? Probably not. No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. First and goal. Bethard on the keep. He's going to walk in for six. Great call, and what that does is it puts you defensively on the alert that, hey, don't forget about me. Extra point by Marshall Kane is good, and Iowa back up by a touchdown, 14-7 on C.J. Bethard's great fake and easy six. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about what's in front of this Hawkeyes team and its 21 seniors playing their last game at Kinnick Stadium. We're excited about the opportunity in front of us right now. We have an opportunity to go 7-0 in the, in the Big Ten, which would be significant. 7-0 in Kinnick, which has only been done once before. That's certainly important. And then the other thing is a chance to grab the West uh, share of the West uh, West title, uh, Western Division title, which uh, to me, those are the tangible things that are out there for us and that's really what we're kind of focused on right now but I think as much as anything right now it's just an opportunity to send our seniors off uh, in a really good fashion and this has been a great class we got 21 outstanding young people uh, in this class and going back to January when they became our senior class our first team meeting they've done a great job at serving as role models for each and every guy on our football team and it's interesting like every senior class that you have a lot of different stories a lot of individual stories you've got guys like Austin Blythe Devon Smith that have played Drew Ott played uh, pretty much for four years, uh, major roles. You've got other guys uh, like Bud Spears, Eric Simmons, Andrew Stone that uh, haven't started a ball game. But the comparison there is that all those guys are just doing a great job. They work hard every day. They do things right. And uh, to me, they serve as great role models. And then beyond that, and you go through a litany of guys that have had injuries, guys like obviously Drew Ott. Uh, you think about uh, Darren Cooper, who's not you know really been able to play or finish his career like you would hope. Jordan Kanzeri, who has been able to return. Uh, Jake Duzies, who who's 
who's still in the process of returning. So that, that's all part of it. And, uh, you know, it's, that's part of the uh, just the journey that these guys go through. The bottom line is they've all they've done a great job. Again, they're a special group of guys. They've uh, been a major part of us winning 25 games over the last three years. They've done a great job academically and citizenship wise. So I don't know what else we could ask for as coaches and just uh, really, really excited for them. Running back LaShawn Daniels finally looked full strength against Minnesota last Saturday night. Kirk was asked if this is the back he envisioned seeing when they practiced back in August. Yeah, I think so. You know, that's uh, why we named him starter. You know, he's really done a good job. He's a good football player and a great kid. And, and uh, you know, the way that things unfolded, uh, maybe maybe we can get to the point where we'll have them all at once. But, uh, you know, Jordan's really done a great job. Akram did a great job when he was called upon. And if he's healthy, we're confident that uh, he can play well. And then Derek Mitchell's doing a really good job as our third down back. And uh, not just, you know, touching the football, but blocking also. He had a critical block the other night. So the one thing I'd say about that whole group that's been most impressive to me is just the way they've, they've picked each other up. You know, so if somebody goes down, the next guy grabs the uh, grabs the rope and does a great job with it. So, yeah, we're really pleased with uh, with all the group. But uh, LaShawn really, that's as good as he's looked since he's been here. Ferentz was asked about the most important attributes as a position group that his four running backs have, especially given their rotation and shared playing time. They've got to be unselfish and they got to be committed to the team and see, and see the big picture. You know, that, that's easy to talk about. Like a lot of things that are, you know, integral to winning are easy to talk about, but then to get the buy-in, to get guys. But it, but it starts with Jordan. Jordan's the senior in the group, and uh, there's not a more unselfish, you know, giving type type player. You know, I don't, I don't track the community service hours individually. I know he does a lot of different things. You know, he's, he's involved in a lot of different areas. It's just kind of how he's wired, and, uh, you know, that, that carries right over to the plane. So I think he sets the tempo there. And, and I think they're all sharing the same uh, same goals, all of us. We just want to win no matter, you know, what group it may be or what individual it may be. And that, that's a fun part about team football. If, uh, you know, one game, you know, last last time out there, the offense really had it going and we, we uh, you know, gave up more big plays than we cared to defensively. But, you know, we started out the Big Ten schedule with a 10-6 uh, to 6 game, I believe it was. So, you know, it was all about the defense that day. And that, that's that's the beauty of football and that's the beauty of a team sport, I think. And to me, that's true team, true teamwork is one, you know, one group might be struggling a little bit, the other group compensates for it. And, uh, you know, when you get that going, that's, that's really a good thing, whether it's positionally or offense, defense, special teams. Doesn't matter how you get there. The idea is to get there. That's that's the whole deal. And in a season of impressive stats for both Iowa's defense and its offense, Ference explains the most important stat to him. To me, it's about winning uh, the game in front of you. You know, the game that's uh, presented to you, the one that you're going to compete in. That That's the most important stat there is. And there are a lot of things we look at that are important. Turnover, takeaway ratio might not be flashy or sexy, but it's, it's really critical to success. Again, unless you got the best players, you know, then you can overcome being sloppy and all that kind of thing. But uh, that, that's a big one. There are a lot of things that are important. Uh, you know, I don't know how flash you are. That You know, Steve told me the other day that it's the first time we've ever gone 30 points, four straight games in Big Ten play, and we were 29 points a game before that. So to me, that, that's a pretty significant accomplishment. I had no idea it took place. You know, to me, we're just kind of letting the season unfold and what have you. But, uh, you know, the most important stat is winning games. That's that's ultimately the one that uh, gets judged the, the most critically. Yeah, you know, that's a goal we have every week. So, you know, that's kind of what we've been focused on, and that's, that's what we'll hopefully be focused on this week and the week after. <laughs> 
Next, we hear from Purdue's head coach, Daryl Hazel, who assesses Iowa's quarterback, C.J. Beathard, and this year's Iowa offense. They're doing a great job offensively. Uh, he's really, he's very sneaky. You know, I watched the Iowa State game, and he had two runs of about 90 yards, and he's just so slippery back there in the pocket, moves from side to side, voids the rush, and then takes off, and then he runs away from people. So, And he's making a lot of throws in the passing game. They're, they're doing a nice job. And I don't know if there's anybody in the country that runs zone better than Iowa's front five. They're they're great in combination blocks, getting up to the second level, and the backs are patient enough to uh, find those creases real late in the run game. Hazel was asked about the importance of his administration's vote of confidence in him as Boilers head coach and the challenges of winning at Purdue. Certainly it helps in so many facets, you know, obviously in the recruiting front with the players in our locker room, to our coaching staff, all those things that uh, allows you to set your feet and, and continue to work extremely hard. You need to have that confidence from the the powers of be uh, behind you so that was a, a huge boost for our program it is a process and uh, you got to get ev- everything in the right place and, and continue to work hard and then you got to find a way to win some of those close football games which helps to flip the the program and uh, you know we had an opportunity last week several opportunities from that five minute mark to the end of the football game to make some plays and, and to be able to take another step forward but we have not done that yet a lot of good players coming back next year and good people coming back in the program next year I would hope that they would be much more relaxed and much more ingrained to the things that we're trying to get accomplished. Hazel talks about the importance of his team learning how to win close games. I think that's probably the biggest thing that we're, we're challenged with right now is being able to finish games. And, you know, I took 13 items and put it on film and went through it with my team on Sunday afternoon about this is the things that make the difference at the end of the football game. And it's real. I mean, whether it's one of the items was the missed field goal. One of the items was the the punts, the three bad punts that we had from that moment on. One of the items was the back going the wrong way and protection. One of the items was the tight ends lined up on the wrong side. you got to use a timeout. That timeout's critical at the end of the football games. Those 13 items are so big in being able to finish, and that's all part of it. we got to continue to learn those things. And Hazel was asked how important it would be for Purdue to upset Iowa this weekend. I think, you know, any time you can take a step forward it's huge and and that's you know like I said I want our guys to win so bad that's the biggest thing right now they they need to experience some of that success that they in my mind they deserve because they work so hard now you win when you're supposed to win and when you do all the things right that's when you win that's all part of that equation now they're working their tails off they have been from day one but I just want those guys to experience that victory because of all the work that they've done First and goal at the two. Pleva and Daniels in the eye. It's Daniels the carry. Daniels lunging, fighting into the end zone for the touchdown. 97-yard scoring drive. Iowa has a 24-14 lead with just 44 seconds to play in this first half. C.J. Beathard is, is the engine that makes this thing run. And this is one of the big keys to the success of the Hawkeyes this year. They have outscored teams by 60 in the final two minutes of halves this season. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> 
Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show, This Week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Minnesota game, previews this Saturday's Purdue game, and talks Big Ten. Steve, heading into the 11th game of the season, Kinnick Stadium, Iowa going for a perfect record at home. There are 21 seniors, senior day. 16 of those folks have made major contributions to this team, and the Hawkeyes can clinch the Big Ten West title versus the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday. Yeah, certainly a lot to play for this week for Iowa, and, and starts with being able to clinch that division title and, and earn a first-ever spot in the, in the Big Ten championship game, and Purdue right now stands between the Hawkeyes and accomplishing that. Purdue has uh, played some of the better teams in the Big Ten very close. They have a number of close losses, including last week at Evanston against Northwestern. But Purdue's been a tough place to win since Joe Tiller left there. They have major facilities issues. Their head coach, Daryl Hazel, did get a vote of confidence this past week from his athletic director. But Purdue's, and under Hazel, has only won three Big Ten games in three years. It's been a constant challenge over there. And I, uh, one of the things that kind of jumped off the page to me this week in, in looking at them a little bit... Uh, they have a, a retro freshman quarterback in David Blau, who, who is a guy that uh, will be making his eighth straight start Saturday. And that is something the Boilermakers have not had. A guy's quarterback start eight straight games since the 2011 season when Caleb Turbush was, was their guy. Uh, you know, that tells you a little bit about the issues that they've had there. It's, it, it's been kind of a constant churn, and uh, as a byproduct, the wins have been very hard to come by. Before we dig into the Purdue game, any closing thoughts on the win over Minnesota last Saturday evening? Yeah, you know, uh, another uh, interesting way to win a football game, and, and uh, I think that one maybe was uh, won in a, in a fashion that maybe people didn't expect. It was more of an offensive-type game. The defense certainly struggled to uh, to deal with a very confident quarterback. Mitchell Leitner's throwing the ball awfully well right now. He's, he's had four straight 250-yard games, including a, a 301-yard performance last week against Iowa. So, you know, he, he tested the Iowa defense a little bit, and uh, it became more of a shootout in an offensive-type game, and then the Hawkeyes were able to respond. And it looked good to see LaShawn Daniels uh, back at full strength and you know doing what they uh, probably anticipated him doing before he went down with an ankle sprain in Week 2. Well, in honor of Iowa's 40 points last Saturday, we'll start with the matchup of the Hawkeyes' offense versus Purdue's defense. Iowa leads the Big Ten in time of possession over 33 minutes a game. They have five touchdown drives of 90-plus yards. They've outscored their opponents in the last two minutes of the first half all season long. 44 to zip. Pretty impressive offense. 30 points or more in four straight big games. First time that's happened in history. Absolutely. You know, C.J. Beathard continues to orchestrate it all. He's, he's completed 61% of his passes this season. He's, he's done a nice job of spreading the ball around and, and making the most of what that offensive line is giving him in terms of handing off to, to a really uh, what, what's developed into a very solid group of running backs. You know, the Hawkeyes' ability to, to run the football at, at a rate that uh, Iowa hasn't enjoyed since 2000. Too. I mean, they're, they're at 211 yards a game right now, and, and they were at 214 during that special season. So this is a very comparable offensive attack, and the results have been very much the same. Lead the Big Ten in rushing touchdowns with 30. They're third in the Big Ten, 33.6 points per game average. They're second in the Big Ten, and this is really impressive this year looking at the last couple of years. They have 14 plays of 40 or more yards. The, those explosive plays that Greg Davis has, has talked ad nauseum about since arriving on campus are finally 
become reality. And, and I think what we're seeing is a real comfort level between quarterback, coordinator, and the personnel around them. Uh, you know, the, this coaching staff as well is clearly on the same page. And, and I think it's paying off in, in just consistency and performance. And, you know, what we've seen so far, is, especially over the last month, month and a half, is that I was been able to go out and, and, and manufacture 30 to 35 kind of point games. And, and uh, when you can do that, it puts yourself in a pretty good position. Well, a lot of their stats that are really good on the offensive side of the ball relate to the run. This continues to be one of the most balanced offenses under Ference ever. They now have, through 10 games, 2,117 yards on the ground, 2,097 passing. It's ideally, that's, that's what you want your offense to be. And, and when Iowa talks about balance, that's what they're looking for. They're not necessarily talking about balance within games, although we've seen a lot of that this season. They're looking for overall balance, and that certainly has been there. When when teams have forced Iowa to run, they've been able to do that. When teams have put, pushed Iowa into a passing game, Bethard and his receivers uh, have, have been able to do that. Uh, you know, Matt Vandenberg is he's having a wonderful season. He, he's uh, sixth in the Big Ten right now with 55 receptions. You've got, uh, you know, in Henry Krieger Koval, uh, a tight end that, you know, has continued to grow and, and is having a terrific senior season as well. So it, it's been a it's been a good a good deep mix of talent. And uh, you know, as Kirk kind of suspected and hinted at preseason, this hasn't been a team that's ha- that's been led by one or two guys. It's been a collective effort, and I think that that's really working for this group. Bethard continues to be, at least in my opinion, one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. And despite being hobbled with injuries since the Illinois game, where he had a right groin issue, and then he comes out of the Minnesota game Saturday night for one play with a right hip pointer. Still, when he's making plays, he doesn't look injured. No, you know, he's a gamer. There's no question about that. And, you know, certain quarterbacks just have that ability to kind of block out whatever's bothering them and focus on the task at hand. And he's one of those guys. And one of the nice things I think about it has been that there's been some real consistency in his play and, and his tenacity and toughness really seems to rub off on the rest of the guys around him. You know, we're seeing guys fight for that extra yard. You know, they're, they're stretching their body in the right direction to, to move the chains or, or to get that extra yard, yard and a half that can help lead to a first down a little easier in a shorter distance perhaps, uh, you know, in a second or third down situation. That stuff makes all the difference in the world. Completing 61% of his passes, 10 touchdowns passing. He's only thrown three picks and he also has six rushing touchdowns. You know, just just a complete player and a complete season from, from a first-year starter that, uh, you know, really has he's added a whole new dimension of the Iowa offense with, with his rushing ability out of the quarterback position that certainly impacts the defense and certainly opens some things up for some other guys but uh, you know he, he's shown a solid arm as well and and uh, both his ability to to kind of uh, stay in the pocket and hit, hit, hit the uh, intended target or, or else uh, you know find somebody who may be not so intended uh, it's worked out pretty well and uh, this has been an offense that has really uh, kind of grown up around him as well uh, they feed off of him he feeds off of the guys around him and you know they seem to be having a lot of fun playing football which is easy to do, I suppose, when you're sitting at 10-0. and 0. But uh, when, when you look at uh, kind of where this team was, and, and when we stood out there at Kinnick on that August day at that open scrimmage and watched that offensive line really struggle, you know, I, I, the growth of this group has been extremely impressive. He's looking for his 12th straight win as Iowa's starting quarterback. And the first one he got in that string and his first career start was last year versus Purdue when the Hawkeyes won over there 24-10. to 10. And it was kind of a sluggish start. He replaced uh, Jake Rudock during the second and a half of the pick game uh, the previous week and, and uh, kind of stumbled out of the gate but kind of regrouped enough to, to, to lead Iowa to a win and, and had a fairly decent second half in that game and uh, you know it, it was a, it was a 
learning experience for him, and, and I think he he probably benefited from it when he, when he stepped into that role again this, this season. Iowa's running backs by committee approach, if you want to use that term, has been nothing short of stellar all season long. They still have the only team in the nation with three running backs to have rushed for 195 yards or more in a single game, Kanzari and Daniels and Akram Wadley, and significant contributions from Derek Mitchell as well. You know, Mitchell's kind of carved out his own little niche there and, and, and brings kind of a receiving threat to, to the group. It, it certainly does Kanzari as well, but it, it's been a real nice mix. And yeah, to your point, uh, 195 yards out of three different guys, that hasn't happened in college football since 1997 when a, when a group of three backs from LSU were able to do the same thing. So this is a pretty rare bunch. And, and uh, you know, what we're seeing is we're seeing 211 yards a game on the ground, and, and that's allowing Iowa to do a lot of things, including keep its defense fresh and, and drives. And, and, you know, that ability is really put the Hawkeyes in a position to do some big things this season. You mentioned wide receiver Matt Vandenberg earlier, who continues to lead in, among all of the receivers in Iowa. But there's been major contributions from not only the other wide receivers, in particular Devon Smith, and Jacob Hillier has really stepped up the last couple of games. But the tight ends have contributed, and, and last week in particular, but pretty much you've seen it all season long. Really good, solid play by Henry Krager Coble. Absolutely. He, he certainly has had a terrific season, not only from a, a pass-catching standpoint, but also from a blocking standpoint. In the Iowa offense, the ability to do both as a tight end is pretty significant. And, you know, and I would be remiss not to mention George Kittle having a, a pretty good role in that as well. Uh, you, you've got a couple of tight ends there that have, have been there and have been there throughout the season and delivered on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, you know, I think they're benefiting from working with LeVar Woods this, this fall. I think that the uh, the coaching staff shuffle that, that took place during the offseason to to move LeVar over to the offensive side of the ball and give a little ad- additional attention to the tight end, which have been handled by a grad assistant the past couple of years. I think that is making a difference. I think I think that uh, uh, those guys have found a comfort zone working with LeVar, and he certainly has helped them progress. We talked about Iowa's running backs by committee play, but how about their offensive line? That's also sort of been by committee with the injuries and the shuffling. Continues to play really well, excelling especially on, on uh, a rushing offense. Now they've become one of the 20 semifinalists for the more offensive line of the year award. Pretty impressive. And, and you know, you, t- you take a look at, at the questions, particularly at the tackle spots that existed before the season started. And you, you watch the growth that we've seen from Cole Crossan, who, who, you know, wasn't a guy who was the top of the depth chart when this thing began, but he, he's taken more snaps at tackle than any of the other two guys at the position. And uh, now that Ike Bakker is, is back off the injury list and, and with Boone Myers healthy again, it, it, it puts Iowa in a pretty good situation. Uh, certainly much different than it was a month ago at Northwestern when they were kind of looking for names to draw out of a hat and, and uh, you know, just looking for healthy bodies to throw out there in some sort of fashion across that front five. And what they've got now is they've got healthy bodies and depth and, and uh, a lot of cohesion and, and communication, which is, has led to, you know, the effectiveness that we've seen from this running game. While Iowa is fourth overall in the Big Ten in total offense, you look at Purdue's defense here and how they're going to match up against the Hawkeyes. Purdue comes in 12th in the Big Ten in total defense and 101st nationally. And they've been particularly poor against the run, which, uh, you know, they are a, a defense that people have, have been able to kind of you know move, move the ball on on the ground throughout the course of the season. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a slow bleed of, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, they're giving up over 209 yards a game on, on the ground. And, and, you know, when that happens, uh, usually leads to bad things. It leads to a 2-8 record. They certainly 
certainly have shown some ability to move the ball themselves offensively, but defensively, it's been a season-long struggle. I think that's been kind of one of their frustrations this year. They thought they would have some, some uh, pretty solid growth on that side of the ball based on what they had coming back, and it, it just hasn't transpired. Giving up 34.4 points per game is not a recipe for success. They are, however, second in the Big Ten in interceptions. They, they have 12. Iowa's defense is first, coincidentally, but they also have 19 takeaways, which is third in the conference. Yeah, they, they certainly have some talent. I mean, you, know, you take a look at, at some of those guys that have been around for a while. Uh, Frankie Williams is one of those guys that uh, you know has, has a good deal of talent and experience, and, and uh, you know the back end of, of, of their defense is pretty veteran, and uh, it's one of those groups that uh, they've got they've got a lot of football played, and, and you know the, that group in itself uh, it kind of leads the way. But you know they've had some issues, especially at the linebacker positions, in terms of consistency, and, and that's kind of led to some issues. Started the season with all three of their linebackers returning, and then they've been hit hard by injuries there. They have a very good, very active, I guess I'd say, a junior defensive tackle in uh, Jake Replogle. He, he's one of those guys that's been around for a couple of years already, and he's kind of made a nuisance of himself to pretty much everybody he's lined up against. And uh, You know, a real solid football player. Uh, but the issue there becomes, you know, across that, that front four, and, and the, the consistency hasn't been there collectively. Uh, but certainly Replogle is one of the guys that, uh, you know, I was going to have to be very aware of, and he certainly will have an impact on that game on, on Saturday, no question. After this break, Steve continues the Iowa-Purdue breakdown and talks the Big Ten Conference games. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Let's take a look at Iowa's defensive matchups against Purdue's offense. You already talked about their redshirt freshman quarterback, David Blau, who's who's putting together a pretty good stretch of seven straight games. This will be his eighth as a starter. He got his first win versus Nebraska, where Purdue just clobbered the Cornhuskers. He also, interestingly, has three TD passes of 60 or more yards. That's the most in the Big Ten. Uh, A kid has an arm, there's no question about it. He's a Texas kid. He's not real big, 6'1", 6'2". He certainly is is the type of, uh, you know, quarterback that I was going to have to respect uh, because he certainly can, can put the ball in the air. You know, Austin Appleby was was kind of their guy coming out of the shoot. Didn't really produce, so they ended up turning the ball. In the transition there took a few weeks, and you know, he came in against Nebraska and put together a terrific game, and that, that kind of shows you what he's capable of. And, you know, they've got some, some receivers around him that uh, can make life pretty miserable on people, and it's one of those things that uh, you, you better show up ready to defend, and, and you, and you 
better hope that he's, you know, not having one of his more consistent games. That's been the big issue. I mean, he's been hot and cold. And, uh, when they had uh, a situation last week when, when their top running back, Markel Jones, went down with an injury at Northwestern, their offense kind of ground to a halt, and, and they weren't able to overcome that. And, uh, you know, it's something that, that Blau is a first-year starter. He's just going to have to work through and, and learn to, to work around. And that, that became an issue uh, in Evanston last week, and, and uh, it's something I'm sure the Boilers will be addressing, you know, as they prepare for Iowa, no question. Completing 57% of his passes, he's thrown for 10 touchdowns, but he's also thrown eight picks. Threat rushing as well. He's got 65 rushes and four rushing touchdowns. He's probably not quite as as much of a threat to, to carry the way that CJ does for Iowa, but he certainly has that within his package of what he what he's capable of doing. So Iowa's defense certainly will have to respect his ability there. And, you know, he's a nice compliment to, to what they've got in a, in a true freshman back. You mentioned their freshman running back, Markel Jones. He's got eight rushing touchdowns. He's averaging nearly five and a half yards per rush. He seems to get better. His stats at least reflect that in the second half. And he's also a pretty decent out of the backfield catching passes. He's a guy who's got 28 receptions on the season and he's a kid that not unlike uh, you know several freshman backs that we've seen around the Big Ten this season. This is a real interesting crop of uh, freshman running backs in this conference this year. And, you know, he certainly is up there amongst the best and he's kind of learning on, on the job and, and you know, he, he's performed fairly well at times. Uh, had a bit of a knee injury that forced him off the field last week at Northwestern. They formed an MRI on Monday just to make sure that things were okay and it sounds like he's going to be good to go on Saturday. They've got a couple of pretty capable receivers, Danny Anthrop, but also their junior wide receiver, D'Angelo Yancey's a big kid, 6'2", 223. He's got five touchdowns already. Yeah, he's kind of a power receiver if you want to throw that phrase out there. I mean, he's a guy that can pick up a few yards after contact and, you know, it's a solid overall, you know, receiving core. I mean, you've got DJ Knox in there with more than 20 catches as well. Purdue's the type of team that has uh, uh, some pretty good balance and, and you know, there's certainly uh, no shortage target for Blau. He's had issues with consistency. Uh, you know, it's his 57.6% passing completion rate would indicate, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys that uh, he has uh, some people around him that can make some plays. And, and then that was what allowed them to put 55 on the board against Nebraska. Returned all five of their offensive line starters from last year. They've been very effective in the red zone, although they haven't been there that often. They've scored 13 of 14 trips in the red zone, all touchdowns. It's an, they're one of a handful of teams in the country that returned all five guys across the front. I had a, a chance to, to uh, sit down and, and chat with a couple of their linemen in Chicago at the, at the Big Ten Media Day. One of the things that they talked about uh, was just the need for them to, to gain the strength that they needed to have to compete on a regular basis in the Big Ten. And, and that was a real offseason, you know, it was a real offseason issue, and it's the type of thing that Robert Kugler is a fifth-year senior as a starting center, has started, I think, 40, 41 games in a row for them. And one of the things that they had him on this summer was a 6,000-calorie-a-day diet. Part of it was simply to get him to to a point where he could physically compete with the guy that he was lining up across from. And, and it's the kind of thing that, uh, if you look at part of what they've lacked over the last couple of seasons, they simply haven't met the challenge physically that they were seeing across the line. And they're a little closer, but I don't think the consistency probably has been there either that they they've really hoped to see this year. Another thing to keep your eye on Saturday, just because Purdue is facing a fourth down doesn't mean they're going to punt. They've attempted the most fourth down conversions in the conference play by far, and they've made the most. They've attempted the fourth down conversion 33 times, made 17 of those. Yeah, Daryl Hazel's not afraid to 
take a few chances on that. And, you know, I think when you're, when you're dealing with maybe a, a deck that doesn't have quite as many cards in it as maybe the guys you're lining up across from, you, you have to roll the dice on occasion, and he certainly has been willing to do that, and it has paid off at times. It's allowed Purdue to kind of stay in games and, and uh, you know, give, giving them a chance where otherwise they, you know, by playing a little more of a conservative game, they may not have had that opportunity. A couple of notes on special teams. Iowa special teams, Dylan Kidd in particular, and Marshall Keynes had a few punts. Uh, they're averaging collectively nearly 42 and a half yards per punt. Desmond King is doing really well both in punt return and kick returns. He's averaging 12.7 yards per punt return, 25.1 on the kicks. Still waiting for him to break one. He nearly did that last Saturday night against the Gophers. Desmond is uh, one of those guys that's really had a, a terrific junior season. Uh, named this week as, as one of 15 semifinalists for the uh, Walter Camp National Player of the Year. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with what he's done on the defense side of the ball. He's one of only two players on the defensive side of the ball who are amongst those 15 semifinalists. But uh, yeah, he's brought some consistency to Iowa's return game that certainly was lacking a year ago. And, you know, he, he took it on. I mean, he was one of those guys that kind of volunteered to, to go out and give it a try. He'd never done it before for Iowa. And, and uh, it couldn't have worked out better. It, it's been a, a real plus-plus for both him and for the Hawkeyes. Purdue's side of the ball there on special teams. Okay, kick returners uh, in Frankie Williams and Danny Anthrop. But the thing that really stands out to me about the Purdue special teams, and Daryl Hazel was questioned about this multiple times at his press conference this past Tuesday, is their struggles. Their veteran place kicker, Paul Griggs, has been having. He's just three of nine in field goals this year, just uh, hitting 33% of his attempts, even though he's made 29 over the course of his career. That may also explain why they've gone so so often on fourth down. Yeah, it does impact your play calling when, you, when your kicker is is uh, struggling in a way that he has. I mean, he's only converted on one try from beyond 22 yards this season. And I mean, that, that tells you that you just simply, uh, you get to the point where they have not, I mean, they, they have attempted one field goal since the start of Big Ten play. And uh, that tells you there's just, just total lack of confidence in, in his ability right now. And, and they apparently feel that it's better to, you know, try to move the chains on fourth down than to, than to have him wing one up there that, uh, you know, isn't going to be good. And, and you know, he, he's a kicker that Iowa knows a little bit about. And uh, going back to Purdue's last visit to Kinnick, and, and, uh, but he has really struggled from the start of this season onward. Now, to your point, he kicked a last-second field goal last time they played in Iowa City to win that game for Purdue. A couple of other miscellaneous notes. We haven't really talked about it yet today, but Iowa continues to excel in turnover margin. They're second in the Big Ten, 10th nationally with a plus 11. They've scored 70 points off of turnovers. Purdue, on the other hand, is a minus two on turnover margin, but the Boilermakers are the second least penalized team in the Big Ten. They've only had 52 penalties all year. And it may uh, reflect a little bit, too, of their lack of physicality as well. They may not be quite mean enough. You know, it's one of those things you don't want to be penalized for time, but you also don't want to be penalized uh, too few times either. You know, I I think this is a team that uh, it's maybe lacked a little uh, firepower that that you see in some of those top teams, and and that's reflected certainly in their record. Before we get your prediction, let's just take a moment to talk about the Big Ten. This week, you're going to see some potentially real separation there in the East Division. Uh, You still have the two undefeated teams, Iowa in the West, Ohio State in the East. They're both 10-0. 
but Ohio State hosts the Michigan State Spartans, who only have one loss. Michigan is playing at Penn State. A couple of really interesting matchups between the four teams that are still kind of hanging around out in the East. And certainly with Michigan State, uh, Connor Cook, uh, a little bit of a shoulder situation coming out of their Maryland game last weekend. And, you know, he, he's uh, a very valuable part of what Michigan State has accomplished on offense, and they're going to need him as close to full strength as possible. He's been very hush-hush this week about what kind of treatment he, he is go- undergoing, but uh, has indicated he plans to be on the field on Saturday. And, and Michigan State needs him. I mean, this is, a, this is a critical game for them. Ohio State is the only one of those 14 out east that can, that can actually clinch uh, the division this weekend. If, if they were to beat Michigan State and Penn State were to knock off Michigan, that would give Ohio State a ticket to Indianapolis. And, you know, I'm sure uh, Urban Meyer's team is very aware of that as well. And the Buckeyes, uh, you know, they, they've won 30 straight Big Ten games and 23 straight overall. So until somebody knocks them off, they're probably still the team to beat. But uh, a big weekend for them. Michigan obviously has put themselves in a the position that if, if uh, they can get a little help along the way, they, they might have a chance to make things interesting next week when Ohio State visits Ann Arbor. So it's one of those things that uh, two great games out east and it'll go a long way in, in determining uh, you know who, who will come out of that division uh, to face in all likelihood Iowa. The other key game in the west is Northwestern at Wisconsin. Remember, it only takes one more Iowa win or one more Wisconsin loss for the Hawkeyes to clinch. That's, uh, yeah, the bottom line uh, this week for Iowa is that they're sitting in a pretty good position heading into, the, into uh, the final two weeks of the season. If they can take care of business against a Purdue team that has struggled, they will dictate their own fate. They can also get a little help from the Wildcats, who, who have not lost since they played Iowa, against the Wisconsin team that has not lost since it played Iowa uh, back in October. So you, you've got the other two teams sitting there at 8-2. and two. They both had pretty solid seasons, uh, but really, uh, you know, they're going to need some help uh, if they hope to knock the Hawkeyes out of the catbird seat. And Nebraska has a very oddly timed bye week in terms of the season overall, but it's probably coming at a real good time for them looking ahead to hosting the Hawkeyes on Black Friday. It's been interesting. Mike Riley's given his team some fairly significant time off this week. and They're working out a couple of days in Lincoln, but he plans to give them Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off. Uh, coach, that'll allow the coaches to go out and do some pretty heavy-duty recruiting. It will also allow them to kind of uh, freshen the bodies and legs, and, and uh, they have spent some time on Iowa already from all indications from what uh, uh, their coordinator said during a news conference in Lincoln earlier this week. Uh, uh, they've spent the extra time encouraging their players to familiarize themselves with Iowa, take a look at some extra tape, and, and they have been very vocal about encouraging them to uh, to, to watch that Iowa-Purdue game on Saturday if they get the chance. And uh, they've already been talking about uh, relishing the role of, of having, hoping to have the chance to uh, play a role of the spoiler next weekend when the Hawkeyes show up in Lincoln. And they would have to win that game to become bowl eligible. So time now for your prediction. Iowa Purdue with looming in the background a significant weather issue potentially this Saturday in Iowa City. Potentially some weather. You know, I, I think that's uh, you know welcome to November, I guess. And you know, if that does materialize, I certainly think that will have some sort of an impact on on how things play out. But I do think that Iowa certainly has enough strength, uh, you know, to be able to take the football and run with it, and and uh, against a pretty porous defense and. And uh, I, I'm going to go with Iowa 35 to uh, to 10 in this one. I think that uh, the Hawkeyes have an awful lot to play for. This has been a very focused group, and, and I don't see that changing this week. Tactical team made up of the smartest people on the planet, just not necessarily the most normal people on the planet. First time in school 
history that the Iowa Hawkeyes are 10-0 and, and in firm control in that driver's seat to go to the Big Ten championship game. Floyd of Rosedale is back in Iowa City as the Hawkeyes win it 40-35 to and are now 10-0 for the first time in the history of Iowa Hawkeye football. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. Just a heads up, there will not be a Reporter's Notebook podcast next week due to the short week, travel, and Thanksgiving. Tyler Chumlin's Quick Hits podcast will include a preview of Iowa at Nebraska. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.